The Bible reading this morning is from Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7. And after that, we go to Matthew 4, verse 12 to 17. If you need a Bible and would like to read with us, there are Bibles on the back table with a bookmark already at the pages where we read from. Okay. Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in darkness, in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning with the fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, established and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Let me go to Matthew 4, 12 to 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving, the, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Are we on yet? We are. No worries. Well, let's pray before we look at God's Word. Lord, we just pray that as we look at your Word this morning, as we look at these two passages and how they relate to what happened on that first Christmas day, uh, just over 2,000 years ago, I pray that you'd help us to understand uh, the context and I pray you'd help us unto us understand the great hope that we have uh, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was incarnated, born as a human being on that day so long ago. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is what? Christmas Day? Jesus' birthday. Jesus' birthday, that's right. So Christmas Day is a time that we remember Christ, but because Christmas Day also happens to be right near the end of the year, just one more week left for the year, did anybody know that? It's also a time when we tend to look back 
on the year that's been? Who's been sort of looking back on the year and thinking about it lately or not worrying about it? What's 2023 been like for you? Super. Who gives it a thumbs up? Who gives it a thumbs down? Who's like, mm, somewhere in the middle? What's it been like for Australia? What's it been like for the world? In fact, what's the last few years been like for all of us? I mean, all of us have a different story to tell of 2023, but over the last few years, we've lived through some interesting times. And when I say interesting, I'm not using interesting in a positive way. The last few years have been dominated by what? Something beginning with C, the C word? COVID, we've all tried to forget about it. But we're still living with the ongoing impact, not just in health, but also the economy, mental health, educational outcomes, and as we're seeing around the world, heightening international tensions. We've seen inflation go through the roof. As my wife has told me, the most expensive vehicle to drive these days is a shopping trolley. <laughs> Interest rates are going up. Rents have gone up. We live in a cost of living crisis. In the last few months, we've seen division in our nation over the voice referendum. We've also seen fears about climate change, bushfires, floods, the deteriorating international security situa situation, which has prompted the government to spend, or promising to spend, absolutely eye-watering amounts on nuclear subs to hopefully protect us if they're ever built. We see confusion about gender identity, about sexuality in our society in general. We've seen the rise and rise of mental illness, suicide and depression. And I'm just talking about Australia. And we've probably got it going better here than most other places in the world. What if you live today in Ukraine, parts of Ethiopia, in Israel or the Gaza Strip? You'd certainly be wondering what the future holds. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Matthew had this to say about Jesus' ministry in Galilee, in northern Israel, from that passage that was just read in Matthew chapter 4, from verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, that's where he used to live. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now this quote in Matthew chapter 4 is from the prophet Isaiah, which Trudy also read out. And that quote from the prophet Isaiah was a time that was hundreds of years before Jesus, around about 700 years before Jesus, which is about 2,700 years before our time now. So that's a long time ago. Can anyone remember back 2,700 years ago? No one here. And this is to a time in northern Israel. And this was a time when things were really, really bleak. 
They were very bleak indeed. And when there were rumblings on the horizon that things were about to get even worse than they already were. And let's read out that quote in full, straight from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. You've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment that's rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now this passage talks about a great promise of the promise of relief and deliverance that was given to a people who are going through a really hard time, or as we keep hearing on the news, people who are going, who are doing it tough. Let's unpack and see what it's talking about. The first thing is the context. What was life for these people that Isaiah was speaking to? In verse 1 it says they were living in great distress. So what was so distressing about their situation? In verse 1 it says that the land of Zebulun and Naphtali were humbled. And what it, that is referring to is at that time, the time when Isaiah was giving this prophecy, the northern part of Israel was under threat from the invading Assyrian Empire. Think about what it would be like, you know, when Ukrainians are watching Russia about to invade, that sort of thing. In fact, the areas of Zebulun and Naphtali around the Sea of Galilee had already fallen to the Assyrian Empire. The situation there was terrible. Think of something like eastern Ukraine today. In verse 2 it says they were living in deep darkness. And the Hebrew word actually means the shadow of death. And indeed they lived in a time of death. Mass death. As the ruthless Assyrian Empire invaded, slaughtered many, and then took the survivors captive and forcibly removed them elsewhere. And here comes Isaiah, offering a message of hope to the suppressed, hopeless and depressed people. Let's have a look at that promise. 
Verse 1 gives a promise that the gloom these people will walk in will finish. Verse 2 says that they have seen a great light. And we'll talk more about that light soon. Verse 3 talks about people rejoicing when they harvest their crops. Now, for those of us who get our food from Coles and Woolies, which is most of us, we sometimes don't realise how significant this is. In an agricultural society, when you can harvest the crops, it means that you're going to eat for the next year. Verse 3 and 5 also talk about the rejoicing that happens when a war is won, when a war is over. Just think of those pictures that we've probably seen of the rejoicing that happened in the streets of Australia when World War II finished. People just jumping up and down in joy. It's that sort of joy. For any of you who have been struggling later, lately, for whatever reason it might be, maybe it's the cost of living crisis that we're going through, maybe it's relationship issues, maybe it's fears about climate change or national security, mental health or difficulties at work, and think of other places. Imagine if you lived in Israel, in Gaza, in Ukraine or Yemen. Wouldn't you like some good news this Christmas? So what is this good news, this hope that Isaiah is promising these people who were oppressed? In verse 6, he tells them, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now, at first glance, we might wonder what sort of hope and good news this is. I mean, of course, it's nice when a child is born, we all like it when babies are born, but... What's so special about this one? Because children are born all the time. How is one more newborn child going to help that much? But as we'll see, this is no ordinary child. Let's read verses 6 and 7 again in Isaiah chapter 9 and notice what this child is like. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now verse 6 tells us that the government will be on his shoulders. What that means is that he will be in charge. When this child grows up, he will run things, just like a king ran things back in the old days, or today a modern president or prime minister runs things, except... As we'll see when we keep, doing, uh, keep reading, he'll do a much better job than our prime ministers do at running things. The rest of verse 6 describes what this ruler will be like. Firstly, it says, wonderful counsellor. What this means is extraordinary advisor. Has anyone gone to someone to ask them for advice? You can think of wise people you know to ask for advice. Well, what this is, is this is someone who has great wisdom. And unlike our advisors, this child, when he grows up, always knows what to do. 
You know, our government has lots of advisors, doesn't it? During COVID, we heard from our chief health officer all the time. We have the Reserve Bank governor who always seems to know what to do with interest rates. Uh, we have ASIO, we have other advisors in the government. Sometimes they give good advice to the government. Sometimes they don't. But this advisor that's talked about here in Isaiah is wonderful, extraordinary, not a hit-and-miss advisor. And the next description of this child is truly mind-boggling. Mighty God. Now, if you go and have a look at the close look at the Hebrew, it means exactly that. Mighty God. This is no ordinary child. This child is God. The mighty God who made the world. The mighty God who made us. The mighty God who rules over this world. And he's also called the everlasting father. And this is another name for God, seen with the adjective everlasting. The word everlasting focuses on the eternality of this child, this ruler, God, who has no end. It also says that he is the prince of peace. To a people caught up in oppression and war and great difficulties, this is an amazing hope. And what this means is, is that his government will bring in a peace, a permanent peace that will never end. Hopefully, the war in Ukraine will end one day, the Israel-Gaza war will end one day, but they will only be temporary pieces. This piece here is a permanent piece that's being talked about. Verse 7 also tells us that he will reign on David's throne. This is a reference to other parts of the Bible that talk of a Messiah or a chosen one who is descended from King David, but unlike King David's other descendants, this particular one would be special, would be the culmination, the peak point of God's promises to bring the ultimate good ruler through David's line. And then verse 7 also tells us what it will be like living under this king, this child, this mighty God, this everlasting father. He will rule with justice and righteousness. Think of all the injustice in the world. Maybe you have been a victim of injustice at some point in your life, or you've known those who have been. Think of all the people who have suffered unjustly. Think of the people now. Think of the people in the suburbs of Perth who have lost their houses to recent bushfires, or the people up in far north Queensland who've lost everything in the floods up there. People in Ukraine who've lost their houses, their loved ones because they just happen to live in a war zone. People in Israel who were unjustly murdered a couple of months ago. Kids in Gaza in the wrong place in the wrong time as Israel targets Hamas militants living amongst them. The list goes on. But this king's rule will not be like that. It will be one of justice, of righteousness, and not just for a short time, but from that time on and forever. And so we might ask, well, when is this time? That prophecy was given 2,700 years ago. What are we waiting for? We've been waiting some time. 
How much longer do we have to wait or is it just pie in the sky? Well, if we believe that this prophecy really is from God, it's not pie in the sky because the very last phrase of verse 7 says that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So if God says his zeal will get the job done, then it will be done. But of course it's done in his time. But we'd like to know, who'd like to know when that will be? Well, in one sense, it's already taken place, at least the first part. Remember earlier that we noted that Matthew quoted from the first part of this passage when he was talking about Jesus' ministry. And when we looked at this passage, when we look at this passage, we can see clearly it is a passage about the Messiah, especially with its reference to the throne of David. You see, the very title of Jesus in the New Testament is Christ. And the word Christ is just the Greek word for Messiah. Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. So the early church and the New Testament constantly claimed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. So this passage is talking about Jesus. This passage is foretelling the birth of a child, a special child, who will rule eternally with perfect wisdom, with justice and with righteousness, and that he is a great light that shines upon people living in darkness, people living in the shadow of death. And at this time, at Christmas, we remember that child, that one born in humble circumstances, who would become ruler and saviour. But you might ask, what about my everyday life? What about the cost of living crisis? What about COVID? What about Ukraine, Yemen, Israel, Gaza? What about climate change and the increasing global tensions? What about the fear of nuclear war? Why hasn't Jesus solved all those problems? Well, you see, that's for a longer sermon. But briefly, we are currently living in an in-between time. The time in between when this child is born and a time in the future when his full power and rule will be established. The book of Revelation and other parts of the New Testament tell us that his full rule and power will be established at some point in the future. But this time we live in now, it's a time when Jesus is calling for people to choose to come under his rule and his power. If we go back to Matthew and keep reading past the citation, we read... We'll just read that passage from Matthew. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. If we unpack this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, it means this. Repent means turn around from living the wrong way, living your own way, and live the right way, God's way. Turn around from living without God to living for God and for his son, Jesus Christ. Why should we do that? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
That means God's rule is coming. And are you going to choose to live under it now while it's optional, before it comes in power and justice, when it will be, I guess you could say, compulsory? Jesus didn't just preach, but he did demonstrate his power. A few years after this Matthew quote, a few years after this, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for the things that we do wrong. And then amazingly, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he demonstrated his power over death. He demonstrated that he truly is the Son of God, this amazing ruler forecast in Isaiah's prophecy, and that one day he will come back to rule again, to rule rightly and to rule justly. But if we want to live under that future rule, we also need to turn from injustice and living the wrong way. We need to repent, turn from living our own way and turn to living Jesus' way. That's what Jesus means when he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So on this Christmas day, let's remember this wonderful hope that we have. This perfect ruler, God himself, who was born just over 2,000 years ago and who is calling for people to come and live under his rule, his authority, a rule of eternal justice, hope, rejoicing, victory, justice and righteousness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that in the midst of the turmoil in this world, in the midst of the tensions in our own society, in the tensions of the darkness that many of us know, thank you for this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for sending your Son to live like us in all ways except for sin. Lord, we pray that in this Christmas day we can remember that and can remember that when he grew up, he died on the cross for our sins and rose again to be the firstfruits of us who trust in him who will also rise again from the dead. Help us to follow Jesus and help us to live the way he wants us to. We ask for these things in your name. Amen.